Uh, I'm beginning a new series today, and we'll, do, we'll be in this, on this topic for several weeks. Um, and, and I've really been studying and praying and, and thinking about, uh, you know, what do I want 2016 to be? What do, what do, what do I want? How, how do I want 2016 to be? This word be, uh, the, the definition is this, to exist or to live. To exist or to live. So this question has been going around in my mind. How have I been living? How have I been existing? And do I want to continue that same way? Or would I like to do something different? 2015 was not a terrible year for me. It had some really great highs. It had a few really low lows. Can anybody relate? I won't say that it was the worst year of my life. I won't also say that it was the best year of my life, but, but it was overall a good year. But when, when I look at 2016, I ask myself this question, how do I want to exist in 2016? Do I want to do it the same? No. How do I want to live in 2016? I want to thrive in 2016. I want to be everything that God wants me to be in 2016. How many of you can say, I want 2016 to be a great year? And I want that for you. And so this, this is the question that has been uh, reverberating in my heart and I, I've been contemplating on God. How do you want me to be this year? And I've found some things in the Word of God that He's really been speaking to me and I want to challenge you with. And I believe if we'll take these and we'll apply them to our lives, uh, 2016 will be better than any year you've ever had before. That God will be with you and He will be for you. I, I, I love the scripture that says, if God be for me, who can be against me? But, but, the, but the question I always come back to is I have to ask myself, I need to make sure that God is for me. Because if God isn't for me, then he's against me, and then what am I going to do? So I want to make sure I get on God's side in 2016 in every area of my life. Psalm 73, and we'll pick up there today with part one. Psalm 73. Um, this is a psalm that's not written by King David. Uh, many of you know that David wrote most of the psalms, but he didn't write all of them. This is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was the choir director. He was the, he was the Pastor Chris of the day. <laughs> he worked in the, in the house of God. He gave his life to the house of God. He's the choir director. He led them in worship. And here's what he says. I'm going to read several verses, so stay with me. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. I want you to think about that. Here, here's, here's the music pastor, the worship pastor, and he's like, man, I know that God is good to his people, but I almost slipped. I almost lost it. Imagine if I got up there here this morning and said, you know what, I know that God is good to his people, but man, I almost gave up. As your pastor, I almost gave up. <laughs> We're not off to a good start in this psalm. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. 
They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I, will, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, to me it seemed a wearisome task. What, what an honest moment that Asaph has here. He had served God faithfully. He went to church daily. He, he prayed. He worshiped. He did everything right. He'd given his life to the things of God. But he realized, I have this struggle going on, and I almost gave in to it. I almost slipped, and I almost fell. Things in his life weren't going great. He was struggling. He was battling. He's worshiping God and battling life all at the same time. Maybe you can relate. He said, I know how good God is to his people, but he was envious of prideful and wicked people, of arrogant people. He said they're prospering on every side. Let's read this in the New Living Translation, uh, verse 3 through 5. He said, he said listen, I, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to stay right, but I'm looking around and all these people who are not trying to stay right, they're prospering. Everything they do, they prosper. Everything they do gets better. For I envied the proud when I saw they prospered despite their wickedness. Despite everything that was going on, I, 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 they prosper. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. This is what he said. I'm, I'm looking at the wicked, and I'm looking at your people. I'm looking at my own life, and as hard as I try, I'm battling and I'm struggling. But I look at wicked. I look at people that have turned away from you, that, 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 are, that are not with you, and they seem like everything they do is prospering. Their health is prospering. They're happy. They don't have worries. They don't have troubles. They're, they're not struggling. They're just prospering in every area of their life. And I don't know what to do with this. He said, therefore, your people, God, are turning back to them and find no fault in them. In verse 10, what does that mean? That means that uh, good people, good Israelites, good followers of God in our day, good Christians, they were trying to do right, but they saw the wicked and they, and they saw these evil people and they were prospering despite their wickedness and, and these good Church folks said, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just going to turn back because life is easier their way than God's way. They found no fault with them. 
They found no struggle with them. And they, they were struggling themselves. Verse 12, it says, they are at ease and they keep getting richer. So God's people are turning back. If their way is easier and working out better, why not? Why work so hard to follow God? I wonder if you can relate in your life. Maybe you've been saved a while. Maybe you're going through some struggles right now and you look around and and you have friends or family or you know people in your life and they don't love Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They don't go to church. They don't even try. They'll tell you straight up, I want nothing to do with God. And yet everything in their life seems to be prospering. They got the raise. They got the promotion. They got the new home. They got the new car. They're not battling cancer. They're not dealing with depression. They're not struggling here and they're not struggling there. And you just look up as a, as a good, godly person and you say, man, is this thing worth it? Asaph, Asaph he, he knew that, that he was not supposed to have this perspective. He said, I'm trying not to, but man, I'm I'm struggling with this deal. I'm struggling with the realities that I see that I'm fighting on every side and my neighbor isn't trying at all. He doesn't love God at all and he's prospering on every side. What do I do with that? I'm struggling with it, God. He's writing a song about it. He's pouring out his heart. Man, I'm, I'm struggling with this idea. Your people are turning back. Verse 13, he said, I'm working hard to stay pure, to stay clean, to stay righteous, to stay saved. But I'm realizing it all appears to be in vain. All of my striving for God, all of my trying to live righteous, all of my trying to stay saved, it appears to be insane. Are you okay to this morning? You don't know anything that Asaph's talking about. (laughs) And I'm trying so hard, and they're not trying, and it's just working, so all of my striving is in vain. Verse 14, he goes on to say, I'm stricken all day and rebuked every morning. What does that mean? It means I'm battling, and I'm being attacked from every side during the day. And every morning I wake up, no matter how hard I try. When he says he's being rebuked every morning, he is referring to God rebuking him. Imagine one of your kids, and they're always getting in trouble. They're always got a problem, but they're trying hard. But no matter what they do, every morning they wake up, you say to them, before you mess up today, I'm going to go ahead and whip you. I know you're going to mess up today. I know you're going to get in trouble at school today. So I'm just going to whip you. I was talking to somebody here a couple couple weeks ago. I can't even remember who it was. And and he was saying, I had a standing appointment every morning before first period with my principal to get a whipping. When he, was in high, when he was in high school, he said, every morning I just I had a standing appointment to get a whipping. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but, but this is what Asaph's saying. I'm trying hard. I'm being attacked from everywhere. No matter what I do, here's what's happening. I wake up in the morning, and it feels like God is getting on me again. It feels like God is mad at me. It feels like I'm in trouble for something. Every time I go to pray, I'm having to repent for something else. Every time I go to pray, I'm asking God to forgive me. Every time I go to pray, I I, I feel like I did wrong yesterday, and I'm trying like crazy, but it's just not working. This is is not an outlier Christian. This is not a guy that's, that's barely living for Jesus. This is a guy that's giving it all to him, that's serving him. It's never good enough, so why bother? 
Verse 15, I can't talk about it. Then you go, then you go through this, and, and maybe you are understanding when you hear these words from Asaph, you're, you're connecting with where he is. He says, I, I can't even talk about it. But you know why? You, you come to church, and if you try to talk to good Christian people about it, then you feel like less saved. And you feel like everybody, everybody's going to judge you and look down on you more, and you're already getting rebuked by God every morning. So, like, I don't want to add the rest of the church to it. So, well, I don't want to betray my pastor, and I don't want to betray my God, and I don't want to betray my Bible, and I don't want to betray my beliefs. I don't want to betray the other people in, in my church by letting them on to the fact that I'm struggling with this. So, we just don't talk about it. And we bury it inside, and it eats on us. This is what Asaph's saying. And, 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 and if you've lived for God any length of time, you might can understand what I'm talking about. I'm battling. And I don't want to let anybody in that my faith might be weakened a little bit, that, my, that, that what I'm believing might be weakened. I don't want to betray them. Verse 16. I just, so, so, so rather than talking about it, I just tried to rationalize this thing out for myself. I tried to understand it. I tried to figure it out. And you know what? Even that was a wearisome task. The New King James, I believe, says it was a painful task. <laughs> uh, the message said, you know what? I tried to, to, to think about this, and all I got was a splitting headache. I was getting nowhere. Can, can you relate this morning? You're trying hard. You're trying to be faithful. But man, it seems like everyone else is thriving in their sin. Everyone is prospering where they are, and we're stuck battling. You know that, that Jesus, uh, we, we know in our, in our hearts that Jesus never promised that life would be easy, but man, it seems easy for everyone else. I know that God is good to his people, but I'm struggling to see it right now. But, but, but thankfully, Asaph didn't end there. Watch what he says in verse 17. I was struggling with all this. I had a splitting headache from trying to figure it out until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned therein. I want to skip down to the end of the chapter, and we'll, we'll go back to it in a little bit, but go down to verse 28 and watch what he says. He said, But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I might tell of all your works. I battled this thing. I struggled. I worried. I tried to I fight it through myself and I was getting nowhere until I did something different. I stepped into the sanctuary of God. I got into the presence of God and suddenly things changed for me and I realized that it is good for me to be, for me to exist, for me to live near God. I've made the Lord my refuge and that I might tell of all your works. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes on this topic. Be near. Of the, all the things you want to be this year, be near God. And watch what he'll do in your life. Be near God. This is what the psalmist said. He said, I've struggled and I've worried about this thing. And then I realized it's just good for me to be near. I just got to be near. Can we pray this morning? Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I feel you even now. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. For every person in this room, for every person watching online, God, speak to us. Draw us near to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
continuing on this thought, let's go to uh, James chapter 4. And we'll pick up in verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version for you, but I will be uh, switching over the New Living here in just a few moments. So just follow along on the screens with us. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Here's what James said. He said, you want to be near to God? Draw near to God. You, you draw near to God and draw, God will draw near to you, but you've got to come near to God. Draw near to God. There, there are times, and I could tell you stories of people in my life, uh, friends, uh, even myself at times, when, when people were away from God, and God sought them out and came to them and picked them up and, and invaded their lives with His presence. But most of the time, most of the time, His, his Holy Spirit, He, just, he has a, a, a gentle tug on a person's heart and life. And, and then it's up to us to draw near to God, to come to God. If we'll come to God, He'll come to us. But how do we do this? I, I love that, that James didn't leave us there wondering, like, how do we draw near to God? He tells us the way to do it. So he gives us, uh, first he gives us three requirements if we want to draw near. Three requirements if we want to be near. The first one is this, is that we have to confront hidden sin. We have to confront hidden sin. Notice what he says here in verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands, you sinners. Here's what he's saying. You want to draw near to God, and he wants to draw near to you, but you've got to uh, um, deal with sin in your life. When we try to hide sin from the whole world, you might hide it from the whole world. There may be, and probably are, people in this room or watching online that have hidden sin going on in your life right now. You're hiding it from everywhere. Your kids don't know. Your spouse doesn't know. Your friends don't know. You're hiding it from everyone. But here's the thing. In your heart, you know, and God knows. And so every time you try to come to God, there's this thing that you're trying to hide from Him, but you can't hide it from Him, so we end up not coming to God. It doesn't mean that we have to totally get rid of the sin and we have to totally, like, you know, beat the addiction and then come to God. But we can't come to God lying and acting like it's not there. We come to God and we say, Father, I'm a sinner. But while I was still a sinner, you died for me and you loved me and you, and you want to help me. And, and, and I don't have to do this on my own, but if I'll bring it to you and if I'll talk to you about it through, through your Holy Spirit, you'll give me the power to overcome. You'll forgive me. But we can't approach God and just keep hiding and hiding and hiding and expect to draw closer to God. If you want to get closer to God this year, ask yourself, is there sin in my life that I have? Hiding from myself, hiding from people, and hiding from God. I'm not asking you to come up here on the stage and announce your sin to the world. That's not the point. But the point is to go to God and say, Father, I need, I need my hands cleansed. I, I need to be washed. I, I need to be set free. I, I need to repent. I need to get right with you. And the moment you do that, God will step into your life right there. 
It's not a hard thing. It's just a simple thing. You see, here's the thing. God already forgave you. When Jesus went to that cross and he hung on the cross, he released forgiveness forever. You don't, you, he's not trying to make you pay a penance and, and put you in jail forever for your sin. He just says, come to me, repent, and I'll forgive you of your sins. It's already done. It's already done. It's just waiting on you. I want to encourage you today, if there's, uh, if there's hidden sin in your life, if you want to draw near to God, if you want to be near to God this year, give it to him. He'll help you with it. Number two, we have to surrender totally. We have to surrender totally. What does that mean? Well, let's read in the New Living Translation uh, what he says here. He says, purify your hearts, verse 8, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So first he talks about, man, deal with the sin. Then he says, surrender totally, meaning this. You can't be trying to serve the world and serve God. If you want to draw near to God, draw near to God, but you got to let go of the world. You, you got to let go of the world's ways and the world's philosophies and the world's ideologies and, and, and the world's way, and you've got to latch onto God's way. He said, he said, he said, surrender to God. Surrender totally to Him. If you want this year to be great in your life, if you want everything that God has for you, then you have to surrender totally to God. You can't be divided in your loyalty. Either you're for God or you're against God. You're not kind of for Him and kind of against Him. Either you're on the Lord's side or you're not. Surrender totally to Him. Surrender every part of your life to Him. Every, see, sometimes what we do is... Um, we want to come to uh, church on Sundays and be totally surrendered. But when we pick up, when we wake up Monday morning, we want that part of the week to be ours. We have no problem saying Sunday belongs to you, God. I'll go, I'll serve at church, I'll worship, I'll pray, I'll, I'll whatever you want me to do. But Monday through Saturday, that's my time. I'm going to do it my way. Surrender totally to God every day. Make sure that your life and your day belongs to him surrender totally number three uh, and we find this one in verse 10 humble yourselves before the lord and he will exalt you humble yourselves and he will lift you up the third thing we have to do is humble ourselves before the lord so we we uh, confront hidden sin we surrender totally and we humble ourselves throughout scripture we see the great heroes of our faith faith humbled to god and they, they bowed their knees in worship. They didn't stop at saying, I don't, I don't want to follow the world. They said, not only am I not going to follow the world, my life doesn't even belong to me. I'm lifting you up, God. I'm laying my life down. I am, I am bowing low so that you can be lifted high. Uh, and, and that's what we have to do in our life. We can't just stop at saying, I'm not going to divide my loyalties between God and the world. We have to then say, I'm bowing down and I am lowering my life so that you may be lifted. What does that mean? That means putting God's plans above my plans. That means making sure God gets his time before I get my time. That means making sure that God is first and that I'm lifting him up. That means, means making sure that my mind and my heart are lowered, are humbled, that God may be lifted up. Three requirements to drawing near to God. Second thing I, I want you to know, and, and this is I want to uh, get real practical with you today. How do we do this? Three ways. Number one, uh, three roads 
to be near to God. Three roads to get near to God. And here they are. Number one is in prayer. People who are near to God get there starting with to have a strong prayer life. And I want to challenge you to, to pray. We're, we're beginning our fasting and prayer for 21 days today. Uh, after we eat lunch today, we'll begin 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I want to challenge you to pray with us. Um, our ushers are coming, and, and as we go through these three things... They're going to bring you a, a card that looks just like this, and, uh, and they're going to pass these out while I'm talking. But I'm asking you to pray with me for 30 minutes a day for 21 days. If you pray for 30, 30 minutes a day for 21 days, I assure you, you will get closer to God. So uh, on the front, and uh, um, guys, will y'all help them? Uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Brandon, y'all help them. Let's move a little bit quicker here. If you're watching online uh, this week, this will be uploaded uh, so that you can click it, you can download it, and uh, you can print it out, or you can uh, save it on your computer, whatever you want to do. But I think this will really help you. Um, all right, so on the, uh, the front right here, the, the colorful side, you see what's called a prayer wheel. The prayer wheel. You can see it on the front. You can see it on the screen. You can follow along with me. And the essential thing is, I get this all the time. Pastor Ryan, I want to pray, but I don't know what to say. After like 10 seconds, I'm done. Right? Some of you that are real spiritual, you're like, I got four minutes in and I ran out of stuff to say. I didn't know what else to pray about. I asked him for everything I could think of and I didn't know what else to pray about. Right? This is called a prayer wheel. And uh, basically, you just follow it around uh, like you would follow a clock in, in, uh, in clockwise uh, direction. And you start right here. First thing we do is we give thanks to God. Very simple. When you start out praying, spend a couple of minutes just giving thanks to God. Man, when you give thanks to God, it will change um, the, 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 the atmosphere of your life. It will change the tone of your voice. When you just start thanking God, it, it, it has a way of changing our attitude. So we start by giving thanks. Secondly, we give Him praise. So first, we thank Him for what He's done, thank Him for what He's doing. Then we give Him praise. We honor Him for who He is. We, we praise His name. We lift Him up. We just, uh, you can sing a song. You can uh, read some of the Psalms. Whatever you want to do. If you don't know what to say, just go find a Psalm and read it. And most of them involve praising the name of God. Then from there we go to number three. So first, the first thing we're doing is dealing with God. It's not about us, it's about God. Second section, this orange section, is personal. So we repent. Remember we said deal with the, the hidden sin in our life, right? And so we repent. God, forgive me my sins. Forgive me the things I haven't even done yet today. I'm going to mess up today. Forgive me in advance, right? I repent. Number two, uh, we ask God to help us grow personally. Pray for personal growth in your life. Um, God, help me, help me to be stronger. Help me to be better. Help me in the areas of my weakness. Uh, help me to be better focused. Help me, God, because I think he wants to do that for you. Uh, number three, pray for your family and friends. Any needs that you may have, or if you just want to pray with them, bless them. Pray over your kids. Pray over your wife. Pray over your family. Pray for them. Uh, and then fourth is any personal requests that you have. Are y'all tracking with me? Any personal requests? God, I'm, I, I want to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm praying for, uh, to get debt-free this year. I want to be debt-free. I need you to give me a strategy. I'm praying for my business. I'm praying uh, to, to finish college this year. Whatever your, your request is for you or, or anyone else you know. Then we, I'm moving fast. Uh, then we go to the next one. The next one is the church, the green section. 
And the first thing we do is going to pray for unsaved people, people that do not know Jesus, people that need a touch from God, people that need, to, need salvation. There's a whole world out there in need of Jesus. And so we're praying for them. God, we're calling in lost souls. Let them be saved. Let our, let our city be saved. Let them come to know uh, the, the, the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. So we pray for the unsaved. Then we pray for the unchurched. What does that mean? That means there's people out there that love Jesus, but they've gotten away. They've gotten far away. They've gotten disconnected from the church. Maybe they're hurt, uh, and, they, and they don't have a body of believers to help them uh, stay strong in their walk with God. So we pray for the unchurched. Number three, Father, strengthen the body of Christ. Strengthen triumph. Pray for your church. Pray for the uh, other people. Lord, there's, there's people in this church that are going through things, and I don't, I don't know what they are, but they're battling cancer. Or they're battling things, battling things financially, and I lift them up. I lift up my fellow believers in the body of Christ. All right? Um, and then finally... We go to the world, so we start getting bigger. All right, so Father, we're, we're praying for Israel. The Bible says that he will bless those that bless Israel. So Father, we're blessing Israel. We're praying for Israel. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of confusion. There's, there's a lot of things happening. There's people dying. So Father, we're blessing Israel. Protect them. Be with them. Then we pray for our country. Uh, there, there's a lot of important things being discussed right now. There's important decisions being made. And, and despite which side you stand, pray for your nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for God's will to be done. And then finally, we pray for missions. We pray for the world. Father, we're praying for people all over the nation. All, all over the world, people that are needing help. Lord, we pray for the, the orphans in Africa. And we, 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 pray for, oh, there's, uh, we pray for those that are caught up and in, in enslaved by the sex trafficking industry. So, Father, deliver them. Give them a way out. Give, give them a, a rescue, God. There's all types of things. We're praying for the world. We're praying for missions. And the next thing you know, your 30 minutes is up. Your 30 minutes is up. Can we do that? All right, 21 days, I'm asking you to, uh, to join with us uh, in prayer, uh, to pray every day. Additionally, we'll be having, uh, on the back side, you'll see all this listed out. Additionally, we're having prayer services, corporate prayer services, um, uh, each Saturday night uh, we'll in, in all of our campuses right at 6 p.m. Uh, it's very low-key. It's not high pressure. You just come. We're going to have a time of personal prayer, and then we'll come together. We'll worship a little bit. We'll pray for some prayer needs, and we'll be done. Uh, but it's just a time of prayer, and I invite you to come and be with us. So number one is prayer. Number two is fasting. In addition to our 21 days of prayer, and we do this every year, uh, in January we pray and fast. In August we pray and feast. And, uh, and so today we're, we're going to begin our prayer and fasting. Here's what we're asking you to do this year. I'm asking you to go on a complete fast, nothing but water for 21 days. <laughs> What's so funny about that? Now, here's what I'm asking you to do very easily. First thing is for 21 days, I'm asking you to give up something, something to God. Now, uh, that could be Cokes, uh, caffeine, that could be coffee, if you want to live dangerously, um, uh, that could be sweets. Like you say, I'm going to give up bread for 21 days. Um, I, I'm going to give up social media. Uh, I'm going to give up television. Uh, you know, whatever you want to do, give up something for 21 days. It doesn't have to be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life, but it's the consistency of every time you want it, you're reminded, God, I'm giving this time to you. Right? So I'm not trying to make life difficult on, on you, but I am trying to get you to do something that will cost you a bit of your life for 21 days. Personally, I'm going to be fasting sweets for 21 days. That means no Oreos and milk before I go to bed. <laughs> and I, I, I need Jesus already. <laughs> All right? um, I, I think I might swear off a bluebell for a little while. 
longer. <laughs> uh, so I'm not worried about that so much. Uh, but I, that's what I'll be doing. You know, I, I would give up Cokes, but I don't drink Cokes anyway. Pretty much all I drink is water. So I, I'm not going to give up Cokes because I have, like, I'll, I'll have like one every three weeks. So that's not sacrificing much. Um, and so join with us uh, for 21 days. So one is, uh, one is prayer, two is fasting. And the, and the other thing I want you to do, the last three days, the last three days, we're having a 72-hour intensive. So for 21 days, it's going to cost us a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, but it's the consistency of it. The last three days, all four of our campuses plus Triumph DC are joining together for a 72-hour intensive. What does that mean? We're going to have a 72-hour prayer chain. So for, for 72 hours, every 30 minutes, someone in one of our campuses or multiple people will be praying all the way around. And we're just believing that God's going to do great things. You can sign up online. Uh, for your prayer slot, you can see the, the info on the bottom there. You don't have to sign up today, but as we get closer, we'll be talking more about it. Uh, and also, we'll be having a little bit more um, intense fast, and I'll talk to you more about that as we come uh, closer to it. Of course, it's on there, but we'll talk more about it as we come. So for three days, we're going to get a little bit more uh, into prayer and fasting, a little bit more intensive uh, for three days. Everybody got that? Amen. All right. And the third thing, so one is prayer, two is fasting. And the third thing is this, just Bible study, reading your Bible, reading your Bible. I have challenged all of our churches, all of our campuses to read the Bible with us this year. We're reading the one-year Bible. And I'm already however many days into it. We started on January 1st. Man, it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes of your time. You, you, can read it, you can read it on your lunch break. You can read it when you get up in the morning. You can read it before you go to bed. Some days we are able to gather my family and my kids around, and we read it all together. Uh, but if you'll download uh, Uversion, which is a Bible app, and, uh, and the instructions should be on this card on how exactly to go about do that. Um, select the one-year Bible, and you can sign up. It reminds you every day, and it's so easy. It does it all for you. It's automatically set up for the New Living Translation, which is one of the reasons I'm using some of the New Living right now through this series. Um, it's a little bit easier to read. But I want to challenge all of you to get the Word of God in your life. If you'll do these three things, you will get closer to God. You will get closer to God. So there's um, three requirements, three roads to get closer to God. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing is this, and, and you can, um, you can put the, take that off the screen, if you will, for just a moment. The last is this, and I'm almost done. Four rewards of drawing near to God. Number one is this, and James tells us in, in chapter 4, verse 8. If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. And we understand that, that Jesus is the reward. It's not just about the stuff he gives us, because if he never gave me another thing, just being, rela being in relationship with God is the reward. He's enough. You know, in fact, that's the essence of all prayer. I need more of God. When you're praying for healing, you're saying, I need more of God's healing power. I need more of God in, in that situation. When, what, what, is, what are we doing? We're trying to get more of God in our life. And here's his promise. Here's what he promises, promises us. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And I'm like, well, if, if you draw near to God for long enough and you just keep working on it, and you just keep praying and believing, after a decade or so, God might get off of his recliner and draw near to you. That's not what James said. No, no. 
James said, if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. The first reward is just having more of God in my life. More of God every day, everywhere I go. I need more of God. And what a great reward that is. More of God is just better. Because when God comes, he brings all of who he is. When God comes, the Comforter comes. When God comes, Jehovah Jireh, my provider comes. When God comes, Jehovah, the the healer comes. When when God comes, the Prince of Peace comes, the wonderful counselor. When he comes, all of him comes, not just a peace. The second reward is this, found in James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. When we humble ourselves he will lift us up as high as you think you can go in your life on your own as high as you think you can elevate your life as far as you think you can go if you'll humble yourself before God he'll take you to higher places he'll elevate your life but we have to humble ourselves before God. Throughout Scripture, how was this done? People would bow on their knees and they would submit themselves. They would lower themselves. What is it doing? When we get down on our knees before a king or before a person, we were lowering ourselves that another might be lifted up. We come into his presence and we say, Father, I'm humbling myself to you today. This song has been in my spirit this year. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to help me. It's an old song. Are you in the right key? Thank you. Music pastors. I surrender all. I surrender very simple song. Sing it with me one more time. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I Lord, this year, my life is humbled before you. My ways, my plans, my ideas, the things I want to do, they're laid down before you. I'm asking you, God, to be lifted high. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when, when, when we lay our life down, He will lift you up. You don't have to worry about it. He'll take care of it. 
Don't worry about it, Asaph. I know you're struggling. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. So often, we're, we're, we're so busy trying to get ahead. We're so busy trying to climb our way to the top. And God's just saying, if you'll humble yourself, I'll elevate you. I will lift you up. I'll make it. I'll just lift you up with my hand. And, and the Bible talks about how he raises one up and he lowers another. He, if we'll humble ourselves, we can be in that he raised one up group. Won't, doesn't have to be based off your experience. Doesn't have to be based off your knowledge and your capability. You just humble yourself and watch how God himself will lift you up. That's number two. Number three, and I'm moving quickly now, and we move back to uh, Psalm 73 for this one. Uh, he says, he will, he will guide you. He will guide me. He said, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. If we'll, if we'll humble ourselves, he'll lift us up, and all we've got to do is say, guide me with your counsel. You don't know what to do? Don't worry about it. He'll guide you. He'll speak to you, and he'll lead you to a glorious destiny. He will guide you. You're struggling with what to do this year, with where to go, left or to the right. He'll lead you. Um, and then that leaves us here. He will reveal to you. Asaph, when he went in there, the first thing that God revealed to him, when he got into the presence of God, when he got into the sanctuary of God, he saw their end. All the people who he was envying and in who he was worried about, suddenly he saw their end. And here's what uh, verse 20 tells us. He says that um, when you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Here's the point. All these people, they think they have all this stuff. They think they have it all together. They think they have it all worked out. And everything's going easy and I'm struggling. But really, here's what he said. They're dreaming and they're going to wake up and all that's going to be gone. All their stuff, all the things that they're prospering in, it's going to be gone. So the first thing was he saw, he saw there, and the second thing was he saw where he was going. He saw his future. In verse 24, he tells us he's going to receive us into the glories of heaven, into a glorious destiny. If I, if I can just follow you, God, I, I know I'm struggling now, but for eternity... I'm going to be with you in heaven. I'm struggling for a few years here on earth. They seem to be prospering, but they're going to wake up and it's going to be gone. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be with you in heaven. So he saw his end. Um, the third thing he saw was he saw God's love for him. Said, but even so, even in the midst of my problems, even when I was about to give up, you loved me. I want you to know today that God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you've become. God loves you. And then number four, he realized his own love for God. He said, whom have I in heaven but you? And I desire no one on earth but you. You're all I want in heaven and you're all I want on earth. You spend a little time with God and you will fall more in love with him. The more time you spend with him, the more in love with him you will find. And you will be able to say, just as the psalmist said in, in chapter 73, verse 28, after he got into the presence of God, after he spent a little time with Jesus and, 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 God, and God talked with him, he said, but for me it is good to be near God. I'm not worried about those people and I'm not worried about their stuff. It is good for me. You know, fasting and prayer, and I'm closing now, it's not always easy. It's not easy to live near God. It's sometimes difficult. And I heard a story this week. You may have heard it. 
And years ago, many, many years ago, there was a, a tribe of Native American Indians. And when the young braves wanted to um, be counted among the mighty, mighty warriors, they wanted to fight and they wanted to hunt alongside the brave men, the older men uh, that, had, uh, that were leading the tribe, when they wanted to be counted as worthy. They would come to the chief and the chief would say, okay, here's what you have to do. You see that high mountain right there? It's high and it's steep. If you'll climb that mountain, you'll be counted as one of us. So braves, day after day, month after month, year after year, would start climbing this mountain. It was so steep and it was so difficult that many of them would get halfway up, three quarters of the way up, and they would quit and they would turn around and they would just say, never mind, it's not worth it. Some of them would get as far as they could, but they didn't want to admit defeat, so they'd come back and they'd say to the chief, I made it all the way to the top. And a few made it to the top. And for those that lied and said they'd made it and those that had actually made it, the chief asked them the same question every time. When you got to the top of the mountain, what did you see? And he always knew who was telling the truth. Because those that got to the top of the mountain would say, Chief, I climbed all the way to the top. And when I got there, I looked out. And for the first time in my life, I could see the ocean. I could see the seas. I've heard stories about it, but I've never seen it, and I didn't know it existed. But when I got up there, I could see things I had never seen before. You know, here's the thing. Prayer and fasting... Reading your Bible every day, it will cost you something. It will cost you a portion of your life. But when you draw near to God, when you put in the effort, when you stay consistent, when you don't give up, when you don't let the cares of this world take away your time and your energy and your focus, but you stay focused on God, He'll allow you to see things you've never seen before. He'll allow you to see into your future and say, you, you see, you're struggling now, but I want you to see where you're going. You've been asking for answers, but you couldn't see them from your perspective, so you had to get along with me. You had to spend time with me. You had to climb the mountain, and once you got there, I'm going to allow you to see what I'm doing and the plan I have for you. If you will draw near to God, He will draw near to you, and He'll show you things you've never seen before. It starts with this. And, I, and I'm going to pray, and then, and then we're going to invite our host to come. It starts with repentance. It starts with getting right with God. I want to ask every person in this room and every person watching online to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. To say, Pastor, I, I've gotten distracted. I got away. I've been living life my way and not God's way. You know, and I, and I, I don't know where it started, but I just drifted. Or maybe you're in the room and you say, I've never really known Jesus. I've never really lived for him. Today is a good day to start right with Jesus. If you want to get a fresh start, I just want you to lift up your hands and I want to pray with you. And there's hands going up all over this room. If you're watching online, just lift your hand. I say, well, nobody's looking. No, but God is. And it's a sign to him. All right, put your hands down. I'm going to ask every person in the room to pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I love you. Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to live life my way. But I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. I want you to be my God. Thank you for loving me. Be with me this year.
lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord.